Greetings, Red Pills, and welcome back to the podcast, The Matrix Online Revisited. I am Vesuvius, and I've got a special episode today. I'm going to be finally interviewing Julio Angel Ortiz, the author of The Matrix Online Archive. And if you're not familiar with the archive, it's basically a book. It's a PDF book, and it's packed with all the Matrix Online information that you would ever want. Mr. Ortiz put this together. He uploaded it on his website. I'll have a link for that in the description. And it's completely free. You can download it. You can read it. I took the storyline section and I turned it into an audiobook. So you can listen to that if you prefer. It's a robot voice, but it's still better than sitting and reading 350 pages. So before we get to that interview, I just want to let you know that you can follow me on Instagram at VesuviusMXO. Instagram is my hub for my online exploits. The link in my bio has links to everything that I'm up to online, including some merchandise that I sell, sublimated beta t-shirts, embroidered beta hats. I've got some blue sky gear, like real life stuff that you can wear, and also some assassin masks. And I've got a couple other cool things that uh, I've got in the works and uh, hopefully can have for you uh, this summer, like the Burning Eye t-shirt, the Metacortex t-shirt, and a couple of other things that I'm hoping to get up off the ground. So that is at VesuviusMXO on Instagram. And keep an eye out because I'm going to be having a contest pretty soon. Details forthcoming. And I'll be giving away an original Matrix Online poster. But for now, I'm going to introduce you to Julio Angel Ortiz. Mr. Julio Angel Ortiz, it is a pleasure to finally talk to you after uh, a couple of attempts trying to get you onto the podcast. So I appreciate you taking time out for the little old Matrix online community. How are you? I'm good. Thank you uh, very much for having me. And uh, how are you doing? How are you doing today with all this craziness going on? Yeah, doing pretty good. Not much uh, interruption in my personal life. I work at a hospital, so it's just... um, you know, a, a little bit different at work, but routine-wise, everything is pretty much the same. Wow. Well, hey, man, more power to you, and thank you for being at the front line. <laughs> not, not quite on the front line, but I appreciate it. <laughs> I work with some good people, so. You still get up and go to a hospital every day and work there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. I, I have to go, like right now, with uh, with my job, I can just go down the stairs and sit at my desk and work, <laughs> you know. Um no, but that's yeah, it's 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 wild. So yeah, tell tell me a little bit about uh exactly what it is that you do. Uh I understand that you're a writer, you're in IT, and this is just what I'm getting off of like your Amazon profile page and uh some photography. So yeah, tell us a little about uh Mr. Ortiz. So I am um in my early forties, I'm forty three. I don't even know why why did I say early forties. I'm forty three. Um I am a an IT engineer um, as my main job, as my uh, day job, and I write as well. Um, I am a published author of uh, a few short stories and an audio drama um, that were commissioned. I also photograph. I know, really haven't had a chance lately, but I photograph is like a hobby. I uh, enjoyed it. I've done it on and off for like the last 10 years. If I'm being honest, I've probably slipped, you know, slipped away from it for over the last year. But I've been, you know, trying to, you know, slowly get back to it. So, 
Okay, and, and you you mentioned an audio drama. What is that? Is that like a different genre? So it's like, um, are you familiar with like say the old uh, radio plays, the old um, like uh, in the thirties and forties? You know, used to have like The Shadow and they used to have like Superman and Twilight Zone. You know, the old radio plays. Like, you know, they would actually do like dramas and like like plays almost, but on the radio. Like you'd hear them in serialized, you know, episodic format. Yeah, so so my my reference for that would be A Christmas Story when he's listening to, was it Little Orphan Annie? Yes, yes, that's exactly it. So um, over the last 20 years, 20, 20 plus years, you've seen like a resurgence in that genre, particularly with, uh, you know, the, the emergence of, you know, growth of the internet and digital media. So there is a, um, I mean, right now we're, we're living it right now with like podcasts, right? So, uh, just think of it like, uh, like a play performed on, um, for, for radio. So, you know, uh, big finish does uh, a very popular doctor who range, right. Uh, amongst other, uh, franchises that they, they handle now. Um, so, John S. Drew, who is uh, another writer and is a, is a good friend of mine, he uh, has an original series that he put together, an original audio drama series called The Dome. And um, he asked me, this is a long time ago now, to pitch and write a script, which I did. And it turned out to be, um, wound up being actually my first paid writing gig. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, my my episode, which was called Collective, was you know released about eight or eight years ago, eight or so years ago now. It's funny because I I had actually finished that script in like two thousand eight ish, two thousand seven, I think, and uh, <laughs> it just took a while to get produced, but it did eventually, which is what matters. So you haven't been writing like as a like a very young person in high school or anything, and then grew into it. Is something you? basically started recently oh no 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 i'm sorry no i i did it was my dream since i was i wanted to be a writer since i was 10 years old um i wanted to be like a comic book writer and uh you know it started out as i wanted to be a comic book writer and and it's still like a uh bucket list item for me but uh yeah that turned into when i was like 14 writing a lot of a lot of angst-ridden poetry and wrote poetry and i still write uh poetry to this day you know turned into you know poetry and then short story is in fiction in uh, high school prose is is kind of you know where i focus my my writing these days and has been for like the last decade plus and as far as publishing uh have you had multiple publishers or do you stick to to one you know john is the the audio drama for the dome is you know one and then I've actually been published three times by Obverse Books. Um, they publish a number of ranges, but uh, like short story and novellas. Um, their biggest one is probably, I would say, is Iris Wild Time, which I don't know if you're familiar with. It's, uh, it's like a Doctor Who spinoff that was um, from the BBC Doctor Who novels. And actually there's audio dramas and, you know... Um, Paul Moggers, I hope he's pronouncing his last name correctly. Um, he created the character and wrote it for a Doctor Who novel back in late late nineties, and uh, spun her off into his own 
his own you know series of books and novellas and so i've actually been published uh in two short story collections for iris and then in a um another series called uh, senor 105 which is like a kind of like a, a take up on a uh, send up of like a I should say send up. That's almost like, like, it, like it's a parody because it's not. It's a, it's a take on like if you watch the old Lucha Libre movies, like the old like 70s wrestling movies that are very over the top. Uh, it's in that genre. And I so I mentioned earlier about your Amazon page. Yes. So I actually followed you last time we, we talked about getting the podcast together. And I see that you have four books on there. This, this is my first time in this particular format. Mm-hmm. So when I tried to purchase one, it was called the fear. Okay. Uh, it, w- it only gave me an option for like a sample download. And this is on the Amazon page. Cause I'll, yeah. I'll have to look at that because that should, they should have given me an option to purchase it. <laughs> yeah. So it says download sample and I can't find anything that says buy purchase or really download anything other than a sample. But I had to download the, uh, the Kindle app, mm-hmm. and I did that, kind of hoping it would. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's inside the Kindle app that uh, that I could do the purchase. Actually, let me check that out right now, because this is a podcast, and we don't really do a format. <laughs> yeah. So to, while you're doing that, to, for, let me go into a little bit about that. So I also did. Um, I, I put out like four eBooks, like what I call like my indie eBooks, which are just original creations. Um, Three of them are part of a series that follows a retired Grim Reaper and his cherub sidekick slash partner. Um, and they basically, you know, kind of go on these cross time capers and uh, kind of get up to some shenanigans trying to investigate. Um, in one story, they, you know, they, there's a very strange surreal carnival that they un- that they investigate and find out that there's all kinds of bad things going on um that story is called that's actually the first story called unnatural time and the second one was about a uh it was an homage to the silver age of comics uh having to do with investigating these sudden surgeons of of teen superheroes and the story is called 1963 with an exclamation point on the end so um those are uh and there's a third one called the horrorist horrorist up there. That's kind of like a, um, kind of a darker tone than the other two stories. And then the fear is the novelette that you are trying to download, which I will just hook you up with a copy. <laughs> um, that is actually just an original fiction work. It's not part of any series or anything like that. So yeah, it, it had an interesting synopsis. Uh, let me see if I can find it for accuracy's sake. Yeah, I should take a look because I'm kind of bothered that that's not. <laughs> that, and I could have sworn, I, you know, just, somebody it sold a copy. Now you're in the U.S., right? Like you're you're not like you're trying to purchase it from an uh, international store or anything uh, from Amazon. Yeah, I'm I'm in New York, and I don't have a VPN running at the moment. At the moment, do you usually yeah. do you have a VPN that you usually run? Now now, now I'm curious. Um, <laughs> on one of my computers uh, all the time. Cool. So, The Fear. Mm-hmm. Three strangers awaken in a cabin in the middle of the woods. They have no recollection of who they are or how they got there. Before they can attempt to unravel the mystery of their identities, 
A darkness in the woods begins to stalk them, but to what end? And who does it tie in to the truth behind their lost memories? And it says, publisher Vox Theory Media. So, yes. So what I did is, like I said, it's it's kind of like the umbrella under which I publish. And it's been a while. I've only put out four things. and I've been working on other stuff. I just haven't got anything else out recently. But that's kind of like the umbrella, like, quote unquote, publishing brand that I, you know, that I called it was Vox Theory Media, and uh, I had put out those four ebooks um, on my site. I had published, a, you know, an ongoing serial that is um, called Obscure Rhapsody. I'm putting that out under that same brand. So I figured it was better than just, you know, saying published just by Julio Angel Ortiz. You know what I mean? I wanted a quote-unquote company name, so to speak. So I, I found you through the Matrix Online archive book. And it was on a website. I believe it's uh, voxtheory.net. Yes, it's actually. Um, so Vox Theory is like the main site for Vox Theory Media. But I actually, you know, I have my blog kind of, you know, off of that site. So uh, if you go to jaowriter.com, um, you'll, you'll see it. Uh, it's on there. Um, yeah, I had put that together, and it was like a labor of love, you could say, <laughs> over the course of a number of years. Um, I'd been trying to put that together, and finally about, I think, four years ago, I just put out what I had and said, look, you know, here's the PDF, here's like a Word document, you're more than how, you know, you basically almost like open sourced it, because, you know, I wasn't going to try to make any money off it or anything. Uh, I just wanted to, for the for the few of us that remember or or played the matrix online to have kind of a compilation of the storyline. Cause I thought, I mean, I, I loved it. I mean, obviously I played, it, it was like my first real, real MMO, um, that I dug and, and really got into. So I just wanted to do something to kind of, you know, keep, keep it, you know, not necessarily the legacy, but I wanted to keep uh, some kind of, you know, memorial to it, you know, uh, document, documentation of its uh, story yeah so i i've i discovered it a couple of years back and then i, I kind of went through something where I, I had a similar feeling where i wanted to basically expand my um my social media experience okay mm-hmm. it, there's a couple of things i wanted to do a documentary about the matrix online and i i suppose like any documentary i had no idea where to start and what to include the more I thought about it, it, it looked like this insurmountable project. Mm-hmm. So I kind of switched it to, hey, if I, if I do this like all on social media and, you know, I, I can get used to building an audience and, you know, kind of put together uh, a resume and I can do it in my expertise, The Matrix Online. And nobody else is doing this. So if anything, I'd stand out in that certain space. So anyway, I found that archive and it com- it's very comprehensive. It's awfully impressive. I have lots of questions about it. Okay. Uh, but I, I started pulling from that for the storyline. Uh, now, I'll tell you one thing about me is I don't love to read. Oh. I really don't. Okay. So I, I took all of that text. I put it into uh, a text-to-speech app, and I just listened to it. And then I was like, well, I got to release this. I got to like put this out in podcast. I got to share this with everybody. Mm-hmm. 
So, of course, I cited you and everything. I put all your links in, um, I believe, to both of your websites. I believe. Because they both sound familiar. Thank you. <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> no, awesome. thank you. <laughs> I uh, really appreciate it. So, anyway, I, I got all these details I, I, from the storyline that I never got before. And uh, it, it was really cool to kind of rediscover it. I don't know. We, we kind of got together and, and we, we broke down the this, this storyline. But uh, it, it it's very helpful. It's it's impressive um how did how did you get all of this information so <laughs> i mean I, I definitely can't take the credit for organizing a lot of it um so and, and that's why in in the in the document I, I think i um you know i tried citing the sources so back i mean we're talking 10 years 10 plus years ago now um there were a couple of different sources for the um for the information, um, the chapters that were fully released, like the chapters, I think one through nine or not nine, but, um, I can't remember what the last chapter has been this long. It's like chapter 11, I think was the last one or 10, 12, 12.1, 12.1. So I'm thinking, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So when the missions were run, there was a couple of different sources. There were a couple of like sites that would, um, publish like um uh summaries right for the missions and the official website i think also had some of that when they announced you know was it summer of 2009 that they they were going to shut down the matrix online the first thing i thought of was you know we're going to have all this you know after 12 chapters and and you know the cinematics and and you know all this work that um that basically Rarebit, um, you know, Ben Chamberlain, the, uh, the, the developer, um, the produ- content producer, like the guy that worked for them for uh, Sony at the time. Um, you know, this is, a, this is a lot of good stuff and a lot of in-depth story. This isn't just, you know, just like some, you know, you can hand wave away it or, or, or sum it all up in like a page or two. Like it's not inconsequential. And I wanted a way to preserve that. And I figured, you know, if we don't do something now, if we don't, you know, if I don't or somebody gathers this information while it's still, you know, these websites are still up and um, in some sort of coherent, organized format, then it may not, it may be a chance that we don't get again later on. Um, You know, I didn't want to leave it to chance or, you know, way back machine. You know, to, to try to pull websites back. So, um, I just started, uh, I opened up a Word document and I just started, you know, grabbing the story, the, the mission summaries for the chapters first, um, grabbing them and trying to, you know, I wasn't worried so much about like editing the punctuation or all that. Um, just wanted to just grab all the the story highlights and all the, the the summaries and then when you get to the later like chapters like 12 like once you you get back to the pieces where i talk about or i posted about what he would have had planned had the story continued for another couple year or so um i was i remember back on the matrix online forums back then you know rabbit had um, been doing answering a lot of questions. A lot of fans were asking questions like, "Where would the story have gone? What would have happened? You know, what would have happened with the oligarchs and and with Trinity and you know, 
uh, and he, you know, what, and I do, I just was like capturing as much of that into, you know, a notepad word document as I could. I was, you know, uh, absorbing through the, you know, going through the forms and absorbing everything I could. Cause I'm like, dude, these forms are not going to be up forever. And you know, you can, I don't think they're up, you know, I don't think they're archived anywhere. So it was important to try to at least get some sort of semblance as to what the story would have ended up being for the, you know, the five of us that, that, that care. Well, it's more than five of us. I can confirm that. No, I, I, I know. I mean, I, I say that jokingly. I know there's a lot more. Um, but, you know, at the time, I was, that's all I, was, I could think of. Well, uh, it's it definitely you had the foresight. And those websites are one by one. They fell, including the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is com, which I think went offline before the game went offline, which was disheartening. Yeah, and then you know, I think I, I think I looked up. <laughs> I was actually like, I wonder if this domain will ever become available. <laughs> yeah, I think I was looking up like what the the who is for when it expires, but I can't remember what it was. But it definitely was still being pretty sure it was still registered. And now with Matrix Four coming out, you know, I'm sure that site's going to pop back up. Yeah, I think it right now it's just advertising like the Blu-ray collection or something like that. Oh, okay. Well, I, I will say that every once in a while I would check on thematrixonline.com and I think that there was like a price of like a thousand dollars. They wanted like a thousand dollars for it. And then I would say about a year ago, I, I couldn't I couldn't find out how much they wanted for it anymore. So it's like somebody went around scooping them all up. So that was that was my first inclination that they might actually do something with the franchise. Okay. Of course, I dismissed it because it's the Matrix, and you have to be a little bit pessimistic, right? <laughs> uh, with the Matrix, to, in <laughs> order to to stay in your your ignorance is bliss <laughs> uh, state that I'm in. I'm still bitter that I said bitter, but I, I'm still like annoyed that you know that we haven't gotten any. Uh, any kind of media, any kind of expanded universe type material since what Path of Neo came out in 2005. Right. And then there was the comics that were collected into two volumes and never got a third volume. Although they were hoping to do that. Um, I had been in touch. I had actually emailed the dude who was the editor or publisher for those two. Like, Hey, here's an off chance that you'll respond. I'm wondering, will there be a matrix comics volume three? And he was like, yeah, we're trying to make it happen. And then it's been like 10, 12 years and it's not happened. <laughs> so. Well, I, I wouldn't rule that out right now. I, I think it's uh, story wise, it's very strong. Mm-hmm. And with the, the sequel forthcoming, uh, people might jump back on, especially now with, with the quarantine, you know, just, dr- it's going to drag out for probably a couple more months. Right. So, I mean, this is, uh, well, I don't know if you work at home, it's probably, probably not much of a difference, but there's certainly a, a, some time to, you know, get into some writing or or whatever else you creative people do. It's funny you say that because I have struggled in, with uh, depression and anxiety for many, many years. So um, I've been doing reasonably well with, with everything that went on now, but... Um, you know, sometimes it's just the energy and will is just not there to write, you know, when you have a lot of other things kind of hanging over your head. I mean, you know, as a family, I have, you know, wife and children and, you know, you know, worrying about them, worrying about these times. I mean, it can kind of 
kind of uh, be a bit of a miasma to, to, to kind of choke out creativity. I mean, some people thrive in that, and I, I more power to you. And sometimes I do. It's just that I haven't been feeling it very recently. Yeah, sure. And that, that's a very real thing. You know, I certainly had my experience. And um, I don't know. I just, right now, I'm I'm still busy. So it's, and, and I actually get to see a, a lot of it, which, which helps. Um, but, uh, you know, being on the front lines and, and seeing how, close i've gotten to it and i haven't contracted it mm-hmm. uh which is still you know pretty far away having i've been in close contact with a patient or a patient that was under investigation for it however there every everyone that comes in they're taking covid precautions right so it's like it's like everywhere yeah <laughs> <laughs> at least the precautions are so of course you you think oh well you know this is it it's it's actually helped me a little bit seeing how uh, prevalent uh, and and the precautions that we take for it. It's actually comforting that oh well, this stuff is working. Like there's very few people that have contracted it that work there. See, and that's that's fascinating to me. Like you have a more unique perspective probably than a lot of us do that don't work in a hospital environment or don't kind of go into our and I'm going to use an, you know, not being over dramatic, but I'm saying like a hot zone. You know, you're, you're, you're more, more close in proximity to it than I would be, let's say, day to day, right? Has your perspective on being where you work, seeing what you see, and seeing how the media's been um, reporting on it, portraying it, you know, how politicians have been responding to it, commenting on it, how does that? kind of change your your view your perspective how does your perspective inform all that other stuff that you see in the media i see the reason for it and i see the good in it mm-hmm. however anytime you get um i also think media is ratings driven and that is a part of what they do mm-hmm. it, which is you know revenue for themselves and you can't blame them for that okay it's just how it is um but anytime you get a group of people a large group of people, there's going to be this mob mentality and a snowball effect. Okay. Right. The fact is that the country is doing the right thing. Okay. The people where I work are doing the right thing and doing the best that they can. And we're trying, we're trying to mitigate a disaster. Right. And I think it's, I think it's working. I can see that it's working. We, we have uh, many supplies that are in case the shit hits the fan and those supplies are sitting there, not used, and that is a good thing. <laughs> right. So, so I, I think the the word getting out is great because it's working. But the word getting out and causing uh, panic and stress is not a good thing. Agreed. And and to be clear, I mean, I'm I'm in, I am in agreement with you about these precautions. You know, doing these things to to um to mitigate the, the issue and that they're working and that they're good. I mean, you know, I could, you know, people say, you know, oh, I'm stuck at home. Well, no, dude, you're, you're safe at home. There's a, there's a difference, you know, how you look at it. Um, and I think I was on Reddit. I was on, you know, somewhere online. I'm pretty sure it was Reddit. I saw a, um, an interesting, you know, somebody put together a chart, a drawing, some kind of, you know, diagram 
that, you know, you have the, you know, what the expectation was like, oh, you know, 200,000 deaths, but that that graph is going down, right? You got a line of, you know, uh, uh, you know, going up of how many people are recovering or haven't gotten sick. And then you have this, this sort of middle area where people start saying, well, see, this whole thing was blown out of proportion. This whole thing was, we, we, we panicked and we shouldn't have been, no, dude. Well, these precautions are exactly what mitigated, you know, stopped this from getting worse. Do you follow what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I think it's interesting that we're starting to head, if not already, into that sort of zone of, oh, well, they will, you know, there'll always be a segment that's gonna be like, well, see, nothing, you know, millions of people didn't die. We, 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 we you know, blew this out of proportion. And it's almost like I'd rather be there, <laughs> you know, with, with people that are like being like that. As opposed to the opposite, where if we didn't do anything or didn't prepare enough, and then we're you know in some grim reality. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I don't actually click on articles, so if you were to ask me about numbers, I, I don't know what they are. I, I know how many people I work with, and I know how many people I know what we do, and I know how many people in my direct department have contracted it, which is zero. Mm-hmm. So uh, that tells me in my world that we're doing good Uh, and i also see the margin of error and it's the result is still zero but you take that and i mean it's not zero it's point zero zero something 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 and then you take that and you put it in new york city and that becomes uh, a larger number than zero Right, but you know we're getting off on <laughs> we're getting off on something <laughs> completely different. No, it's, it's fine. supposed to be a lighthearted thing. <laughs> Sorry, and I wasn't trying to like bring it down or try to you know I wasn't trying to. I figured it's topical. Yeah, well, I mean we're living in you know this word gets thrown a lot around a lot now, unprecedented times. So it's kind of ba- we're bound to discuss it. It's going to come up, you know. You, you know, it is what it is. But I certainly so I didn't want to. I didn't mean to sidetrack, so I apologize. Well, I think every every other generation goes through something like this. So, hey, you know, we're, 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 I think we're living in the best time ever. We have the best um, technology, mm. and we have the best medicine ever in human history, and our population just keeps growing steadily. So, Oh, absolutely agree. I mean, if there was ever a time for this to happen... Well, you know, no, it's not so bad. If you think about it from the perspective of science and technology, able to, you know, stem the tide or be available to help. You know, obviously nobody wishes anything like this would happen. But, um, you know, we do have, you know, in general, we're, we're as a society, as a world, you know, we're, you know, I guess, not that you can ever be equipped for something like this, but I guess the best possible equipped. Does that even make sense? I'm probably just, I'm just rambling at this point. Well, I think we're going to get a lot of cool action movies uh, out of this. I think we're going to get a lot of entertainment in the not so distant future. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I. I mean, do, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, if you remember nine eleven, how how long after nine eleven that we were starting to get movies about nine eleven? Yeah, it's true. Like we're, we're going to get some, we're going to get like a Fast and the Furious with, with a COVID-19 twist on it in like three years. Exactly. That'll be the whole, that'll be a future Fast and Furious trilogy just based around the idea of a cure. We have to get the cure across the country in like one day. Can they do it? You know, I was thinking about, um, 
a little. I, saw, I heard a little bit of Nicolas Cage in there. I was. Dude, would it surprise you if he was in it? I mean, I. <laughs> and I'm not hating on Nicolas Cage, dude. I mean, it's, he's cool. You know, he's, he's all right, dude. I just, you know, would it get would it surprise you? It wouldn't surprise me. Um, no, actually, it's funny you said about nine eleven, and, and my mind went a little further back because of my IT background to um, Y2K. So mm-hmm. if you remember Y2K and you remember, uh, I mean, all the prep and all the preparation, it was going to be doomsday 2000 and all the uh, computers will stop working and none of the clocks will work. And, you know, and there, and there were a bunch of movies like TV, like made for TV movies at around the time, you know, like the reactor, you know, some nuclear reactors having a meltdown because of the Y2K problem. You know, there's dudes trying to stop it and the, the, the freaking like rods. He's in the same room with the, you know, radioactive material just like right next to him out in the open. Yep, I solved it in the last three seconds, saved everybody. It's like, what is going on with these movies, man? It's, uh, yeah, it, it, it will not surprise me if as these topical things happen, you know, as, as Hollywood decides to get its, you know, head around making movies about this in a year or two. We'll probably see some. Plus, you know, we're going to see sponsor names all over face masks for the next couple of years. Uh, you know what? So it, it won't go uncommercialized. <laughs> yeah, I'll... I'll uh, I didn't think about that. That's actually a very interesting... I mean, it, we're, we're probably already seeing it, and I just haven't seen it yet. It'll make me, like, want to gag, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just... It's, it's so... so yeah, it would be so America, so capital capitalist you know what i mean it's like of course of course we're putting you know you know sponsored by nike on your you know just do it and by you know just put on your face mask okay okay (laughs) pulling it back to the matrix (laughs) now that we've gone way down that rabbit hole so i do have a question for you yes yes Oh, and and I purposely saved this question for well into the podcast because there was some speculation in the community about who is Julio Angel Ortiz. Is he a developer? Was he a player? Was he a writer? How did he get all this information? So what was your handle and what server did you play on? <laughs> uh, dude, I, trust me, I was nobody special. I um just a uh, just a player. My 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 uh, gamer tag was Theory Dust. Theory dust. Um, I was on syntax. Um, I think it was originally on line noise, and then got um, when they merged the the nine servers down to three. Um, mm-hmm. I think my primary one was syntax. I played in a um, a great clan called uh, the Winter Brood, which actually it's funny. I'm actually on the Facebook. We're all still like in a Facebook group together, and I'm Facebook friends with some of my uh, old clanmates. So we, we, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that was like the first clan I was ever in. So it was kind of like, you know, uh, it, like uh, I was, you know, like leery to even, uh, you know, interact, like, you know, social anxiety and things like that. Uh, from that perspective, you know, it was kind of like leery to, to, to interact with people. And, uh, yeah, again, this was like, was, you know, 17 years ago, or whatever, but, um, they definitely you know, made me feel welcome, and they were awesome, and it's you know still friends with them to this day, with a lot of them, I should say. So I th- I think your name sounds familiar, Theory Dust, and I was gonna guess Syntax, uh, and Winterbrood is definitely uh, de- definitely a familiar name. 
Oh yeah. So, so uh, next question was: Were you a gamer or were you a Matrix fan? Like, what brought you to the Matrix Online? So I was both. I mean, I've I've been playing games since you know video games since the old Atari days. Um, you know, but the Matrix as a movie blew my mind. I mean, like so many of us, right? That 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 watched it in '99. I mean, it was just. It was like mind expanding, and uh, when when you know they finally announced a trilogy, or rather the next two movies, and then they announced they we're making a, a online game. I was like, dude, this is like the a dream come true. You know, the uh, I get to, you know, being a video game, you know, video game fan since forever. Uh, virtual worlds and virtual, you know. Um, like online, like MMOs and, and, and large online persistent worlds have fascinated me. Um, just the idea. I mean, t- today people are just used to it. You know, younger people, I'm sure they grew up with it or, you know, they're just like that. Then probably that stuff's second nature to them. But for me that actually, you know, people like us that saw that, you know what I mean? Like we're, we remember a time when that wasn't even a, a thing and to see it prop up and, and kind of, you know, gain the prominence that it has. Um, I don't know. There's still a part of me that's still like that kind of like wide eyed, you know, late teen, early twenties, uh, you know, adult. That's like, I can't believe this is like real. These are things that you can do. So when, yeah, when, when matrix online was announced and became a thing, I, there was no question. I was going to jump on there and I was lucky. Enough, I said lucky enough to get in the beta. I think I pre-ordered to get into the, <laughs> it's been like, it's a long mm-hmm. time, but, I did. Was in the beta, and uh, yeah, it was just first time jacking in, and you know, getting the music, the the very you know iconic music, the green and, and black, you know, having the world fade in. Ah, oh, dude, it was it was just nothing like it at the time. Yeah, I, I remember my first time uh, jacking in, uh, and I, I believe I got a, like I pre-ordered also to get into beta. And like, so I was like, all right, so now it, the, the game's going to be here in a week. And then like, I get an email with like a download link. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll jack in now. Yep. So, <laughs> so, and then the thing came a week later and I was like, yeah, hey, whatever. Yeah. Hey, I was glad. Looked at the box for like two seconds. Yep. I, I do. I still have the box somewhere. And I, do you have like, do you remember like the, um, those Prima guides that came out? Um, yes, Prima God. I still have mine. It's actually on my bookshelf. I'm actually looking at it right now. Um, my old Matrix Online Prima Guide, just just for nostalgia's sake, I guess I still have it. Yeah, the, I I think that there's one. It might, it might be Enter the Matrix where it has like codes that you can crack and like use in the game. Yes. So I think when I got the Matrix Online one, I was. I was searching for those and, and people were talking about a Prima guide and I'm like, guys, what the hell are you talking about? What's a Prima guide? <laughs> and they were like, well, it's outdated now, but it's, it's basically for, I think combat revision or the first combat system. Yes. <laughs> that thing was out of date so, within like three months. <laughs> yeah. But I ordered it anyway. And it was probably 15 bucks and just looking through it. It's, it's just awesome. I agree. I mean, and, and actually some of the, some of the, um, text i put in the the uh, archive the the matrix online archive 
like the intro from was from the Primo Guide. You want know, to talk about two sky gods fighting, like when talk about describing Neo and Smith fighting in Revolutions. Okay. That was taken from I forgot. I don't know how I found it online, but I um, I took that from from the intro to the Primo Guide because it kind of fit again thematically with what the the guide was or the archive was supposed to be. And I wasn't going to sell it. I'm not, you know, I wasn't going to do anything with it. So I wasn't didn't feel too bad about lifting it from the from an electronic copy of the guide. That archive is is wonderful. Um, I, I had a similar sense where this game is not going to last forever, so I have to collect everything that I possibly can. So I we used to run all the archive missions and take screenshots of all the dialogue. Oh yeah, <laughs> yep. So I have this massive collection, and I think I have something like ninety eight percent of all the missions. Like there's about nine missions that I don't have. Wow, and okay. I just couldn't get to. Um, so when I, when I read your archive, I was like, oh my God, this is so much easier because my screenshots are like a full screen capture. It's not just a dialogue box. So there is computer software that can pull text from a picture, Yep. Mm -hmm. but it, but it, there's so much text on a, on a video game screenshot. Like there's a text box, there's the hot bar, there's whatever other windows are open. Right. So it's just not feasible, but your guy, your, your archive is, I mean, it's the definitive scripture for the matrix <laughs> online. Dude, I, I am very thrilled and honored that, that well, first of all, you said that. Thank you very much. I, I mean, I, it was a labor of love for a community that like, I wasn't even sure how much of a community there would be. I just knew, Hey, I love this game and I love the story. Um, you know, whether you feel, you know, however you feel about the, the trilogy, how it ended, you know, the movies, whatever. I mean, I love it. Um, and I felt it was worth saving. Now, of course, Matrix 4 is coming next year, so, uh, you know, how knows how much of that's all going to play in, but it was definitely, definitely worth keeping and, and saving, because there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of content. If you really think about it, there's a lot of story content in those chapters, yeah, I would I would say that there is th at least three times the story content that one would think because there were three perspectives. Yep. And each had their own team of characters. Agreed. And it was uh they did a good job. Like that was the one thing nice thing is that how the, how the missions weren't like cuz you know like like I, did you let me ask you this when you played did you have multiple characters like did you have one uh, for each faction? Um, yes, I believe I did. Okay. But I didn't like level all of them. Okay. Uh, I just, I just kind of ran the, um, I, I wanted to get the missions before they were archived. Got it. So I, we used to just run the missions and in the early days there were like, you had to have a certain organization reputation to get an extra, like a bonus mission. So there was, I think two of those in, in the entire game. But like they're a little bit obscure, and somehow I got them. That's awesome. I'm not even sure if I got them because I can't even remember what those would have been. I mean, imagine they were like the Winter Brood. We were EPN, right? We were E Pluris Neo. Um, yeah. Uh, were you and the the Cypherites, right? Were the Machinist faction? Which, when you play, which faction did you play for? I was Zion for a good part of it, and then I'd say just past the halfway point, I went EPN. Okay. It, it was 
it, there was a couple of different factors. It was, I, I had just left uh, a Zion faction that I kind of didn't get along with people very well. And I started playing with uh, a player named Frack, who was very, very active. And he, his player events were as good as the, uh, the live events. So oh, I wow. wanted to go on okay. EPN just for like the interaction. Mm-hmm. Like there was just more to do. Yeah. And that's something, oh man, it was almost like, it was amazing looking back on, on the matrix online, like the, the live event model. Right. So it, it was, it's, it, it was a, uh, a unique, what separated it from a lot of other games at the time. Right. But it was also kind of, it's Achilles heel because they kind of expected, we're just going to do live event group. We're going to have a live event group. We're going to just, the content we're going to make is not going to be so much mission focused. Although obviously there was quests and like missions, but we're going to have a dynamic world with actors in there all the time doing stuff. And then three months later, it was like, yeah, game kind of tanked and we're selling it to Sony. And by the way, uh, we're going to just keep one person to do all that stuff. Like that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I could have been, I, I wonder, had it been successful, what that could have looked like, that model. I would have been very curious to see that if that model would have been sustainable in a successful game and how that would have evolved. Uh, hard to think that it would be sustainable, but I think if you have something like um, the population of WoW, it would be sustainable. However, you're going to have to have a lot more actors or live event team players to accommodate all those players. Right. And, and then there's languages and everything else. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, probably and then it probably was not going to ever be sustainable, but it still was something different and something, you know, kind of unique to to the genre and to just the, the MMO, you know, MMOs in general. Yeah, what a time, though. Well, I'm curious to see how that model influenced other games because I, I really don't play MMOs. I stopped playing MMOs after Matrix Online. But I wonder if that influenced the static uh, content model from other games. Like, I wonder what WoW took from the Matrix Online. That's a good question. Um, I'm kind of like you, where, like, after um, the Matrix Online folded, I played, uh, like, Star Wars Galaxies for, like, a month. And then I was like, yeah. That's a little disappointing. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it, it was more like, let me see if there's something else. And then like nothing grabbed me though. Like I, I played, I played star Wars galaxies, right? Played a month. And it was like, hit, you know, hit the max level, you know, finished whatever the, the legacy quest or whatever the quest line was. Right. And then I was like, I don't really feel like doing anything. Like I love star Wars, but I don't really feel like doing this in a virtual world. Do you know what I mean? Um, it just didn't have that same draw. So I actually just, you know, I, I played WoW for, like, a minute for, like, you know, the first five levels. Like, I got to level five, and I was like, no, this is boring. So the Matrix Online actually kind of ruined MMOs for me, in a way. Well, I, w- I wish I had more uh, to compare to. Uh, I th- There was a... I, I like the Pir- Pirates of the Caribbean movies, and they had a beta. I was actually in the, the Pirates of the Caribbean Online beta for a little bit, but uh, it didn't really capture me. Uh I don't even know if it ever went live or how well it did. But, uh, yeah, I was just back to Matrix Online. I was actually, it's funny, I didn't even know that Pirates of the Caribbean had an MMO. 
I, that's that's news to me today. I learned. I it's just kind of wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you have you downloaded or so? There's that that project, right? To kind of revive M, you know, MXO. To kind yeah, of the emulator. Yeah. Have you ever played you played with it? I imagine you have. Yeah, I'm actually pretty uh, f- fairly active in the emulator. Uh, since the quarantine has hit, right. there's been people that are like, we got to get together. We, we got to like do a party. So there's a guy out of, uh, I think out of Jersey, who's a DJ and he's, not, he's really not working very much right now. Uh, all the clubs are shut down. Right. So he puts together like these awesome playlists and we just go into like club zeitgeist and just, you know, do animations and special effects and, and just shoot the shit. I mean, some people are role playing, like hardcore role playing in the emulator right now. Wow! So it, it's actually pretty fun. Shout out to Lazarus at Neo Matrixology. I remember when the emulator project started to get off the ground, and I did download like an early version. I should say early. It was just early days for it. So you could walk around. You could t- you know you could um, go from hardline to hardline, but you couldn't really do much of anything else. So. I really need to pick that up and look at it again. It's just kind of fell off my radar, you know, because there's a little bit of skepticism, you know, when those things kind of things start out, like you think, are they really going to be able to do it? Like, oh, I mean, I'd love to see it, but are they really going to get it functional? And then uh, just real life things took over. And I just never really got back to it. I first got into the emulator about a month after shutdown. Okay. So, I think it was the same developer. His name is Ryko. Yes. He would trick your computer into thinking it was the client and the server. So when you would log into the Matrix Online while, while it was live, you would have to ping the server, which I think was located in Boston. So I, I recently heard that. Okay. So you would st- install some software, and it would ping itself. So you could actually play offline right. and like there was, uh, I don't even think that there were like pedestrians, but you could just run around the city. So I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then he hosted a, like a server that you could ping and interact with other people. Okay. And the stability has grown. And right now he's got like some, some vendors that you can buy stuff from. So like, if you go into Mara central, like there was like this, um, weapons vendor, and he'll okay. just sell random stuff. And the next time you click on him, he'll sell a completely different list of random stuff. <laughs> okay. And then a couple of years ago, he got Hyper, Hyper Jump working. Okay. Which is, you know, very exciting. I still like to just go in and just Hyper Jump. Oh, dude, that was... Dude, when, <laughs> my, when, when I unlocked Hyper Jump for the first time, this is like me, not young, naive, you know can't wait to get to level 10 i think it was like when you could first unlock it and i'm like i hyper jumped and it was like this little dink i'm like what <laughs> why can't, why can't i jump high? is this it and then i'm like oh i have to get to like level 50 to get the real full you know yeah uh, yeah oh but dude hyper jumping was awesome i remember that yeah again part of the the, pow- the power fantasy though the matrix fantasy which you know, I'm still amazed that nobody has developed a current gen open world matrix game. 
I, I just astonished. And I mean, I hope the new movie changes that, but you know, I'm talking like, you know, uh, imagine like a Grand Theft Auto Matrix style, like in the, you know, in the form of the Matrix or just something free and open and, and like a large sandbox to play in would be as- astonishing. Well, I hope that they, and very soon, remember The Matrix Online and at least use it to promote the movie and say, listen, we're just going to, you know, for three months, you are just, we're going to open up the, the Matrix Online. And then, of course, if it does well, they'll, you know, why wouldn't they keep it open? But I that, guess the code is just, uh, it's just wonky and uh, very difficult to at least reverse engineer. That's that's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's also, you, know, you look at the, how much technology is, I mean, 17 plus years is a, an, you know, eternity in technical, t- you know, in technology time. Um, I mean, dude, I would love to see it, you know, love to see some kind of support, but you know, yeah, it, 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 you know, the source code, if they even still like have it somewhere, you know, they still even have the tools and the machines to, to run those tools on. Um, it would be an interesting feat um, to see them attempt. Now, I don't know if they will, obviously. I, I personally doubt it, but I'd love to see it. Yeah, I uh, I hope it comes back in some way or, you know, if we get another one, that would be that would be sweet, too. But what uh, would... What would be your ideal? Like, what would you like? Like, what would be your ideal? Like, like next Matrix game. Oh boy, that's a tough one. Man, I don't know. Um, I, I, I think like first and foremost, I just want the Matrix Online back the way it was before it ended. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't yeah. want to be level seventy or whatever. <laughs> I just want to be level fifty, and. You know, if the, if that's it, because like that's the simplest solution, you know, like you said, if they have it and if they have the tools to run it. Otherwise, um, you know, just update it. I mean, it was kind of it was kind of perfect the way it was uh, at for the time. If you were to put it in today's uh, market, I, I think um, it does not have a free uh, or a, a, a pay to play uh, option or capabilities. So I think it's like all or nothing, like subscription or free, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe just update it, update it to today's uh, market, I guess. And I, I, I think, I think you're right. Like if you update it for today's, I mean, something like the matrix online with the customization, right? The, um, you know, the, the desire and ability to, to make your, your, you know, avatar, your RSI, look you know um you know unique compared to others i mean can you imagine a game like that today the matrix game with like a market a market shop like you know what you see in fortnite or these other games when i do that thing with where they're selling cosmetics it would kill is that what they do in fortnite well you know they sell like skins and stuff like that for your weapons for your character i mean oh cool yeah i mean uh, can you imagine like you know a matrix game where you're like you buy you know, and of course it'll it'll all be overpriced, but that's just me being cynical. You know, I want to buy these <laughs> shades for like ten bucks or this jacket for you know, you know, we would have all killed. What was the jacket that we all wanted to get 
I, I mean, I got it. You had to complete this uh, quest to get it. There was the... Um, do you know what I'm talking about? You had to like complete I think the, so. the there was this one it was like the one jacket everybody loved. You know, the one outfit. Was it the one from the Machine City? Yes. The Area K trench. Yes. I think it's <laughs> you imagine like, oh you just sell sell this for ten bucks. That would you know, that would sell. Um in today's market. So no, nah, I have to grind out fifty thousand whatever. <laughs> you know, like back then. Then there was the quest over in Westview, where you had to kill the fly monsters, yeah, to get to get the the headgear. Yep, had to spray them with the. Uh, you had to get the spray, um, get the drops to do the create the spray bottle, and then you kind of stand in front of the massive fly creature to just spray. Um, the wasteland corruptors. Yes, yeah, dude, that's we're we're going down memory lane right now, man. <laughs> that's awesome. Were you, were you able to get that item? Yes. I got the uh, I got the jacket. Um, it was like the only thing I wore once I got it, just like everybody else, right? Yeah. Um, and the headpiece, I'm pretty sure I got too. I mean, my clan helped me because you know I'm not the most amazing, you know, solo player or anything. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, just just uh, going. Yeah, this isn't like that game, dude. You you you, you just kind of go. Remember the. Uh, what they had as dungeons where they weren't real dungeons, but I'm saying like you could find these locations that you would yeah, kind of hideouts, the hideouts and you would go in. And I remember pre back when the first combat system, right? When you could actually fight multiple people at once. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Um, I had run into, and I actually think it was the, the hideout that had the, the people, the, 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 uh, programs that had like the white jackets I actually think where they took um uh I think where they got the inspiration from the Eric K. Maybe I'm misremembering. But uh this white jacket NPCs ran all the way back to the elevator to me and I had this whole like big ton of them. You know, and I'm sitting there fighting trying to get out of there. <laughs> and I got I gotta find and see if I have a screenshot of that because it, it cracked me up because that was like I finished fighting one and then another one would pull me into combat. But I was like a high enough level than them that I wasn't getting killed. But I was just like, I'm going to be here forever if I don't, you know, jack out. <laughs> so just like experiences like that, like that, especially for someone new to MMOs, that was just amazing. Just an amazing experience. Out on Syntax, uh, do you have any, any stories from, from back in the day? Any uh, live event interactions or big player events or anything cool that... that- you remember like a fun memory? Um, <laughs> I, I, because of my work schedule and you know, I, I can never, I got onto like one or only a couple of events. Um, one of my earliest ones that I remember is, was the assassin event. So when the assassin was, we were hunting the assassin and, uh, we found him. You know, we found uh, the me and my the the my clan that I was with, uh, you know, fighting him. And like I was like a level eighteen, like I was not even I shouldn't have even been in the same area. But, you know, and all my team, all my uh, clanmates were all very high level. Obviously, they were fifty probably, um, or at least it felt like it because they were much higher than me. And so like they're fighting the assassin, trying to you know, getting his aggro and, and going to fight with them. And then I'm like level 18. Like I go in there, fight him, and he's like one shot. I'm dead. 
I'm like, well, I'm like, I tried, I guess. But I just wanted to say I fought him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yep. So not a whole lot of stories like that because I, I wasn't able to get into a lot of events because of just my schedule and stuff. But uh, it was just when I did play uh, with my clan mates, it was always a lot of fun. It was memorable. I mean, obviously, the the end, the, the last couple, you know, the last day is like probably the most memorable. Just when they were handing out the, you know, Zen Master unfinished, you know, equipable skills, which were mm-hmm. ridiculously broken, but were so much fun. <laughs> um, and just everything about that last day just was uh, was just wild. I mean, you know, I guess. Again, there was just nothing quite like it, you know. And it was kind of bittersweet. It was bittersweet because it was game was ending, and it was the last time with my clanmates in that clan. Um, but just the unbridled anarchy with just so many people running around. So I think they had what they turned on the agents were just fighting, you know, or just everywhere. And they had the system wide messages like, you know, you know, jack out now. You know, you'll be, uh, you know, you'll be. Uh, eliminated otherwise like it was just wild it was definitely like apocalyptic in the uh best sense and who was in your faction like who were your faction leaders um so and winterbrood so uh just naming a couple was like um luscious bruja he was awesome <laughs> oh, name familiar yeah luscious bruja person three um tel aviv um person three sounds familiar yeah um yeah him i mean he's like he's one of the people that you know him and i'm actually friends with tell on facebook like friends and uh person three is still around in the in the chat like in the um the group that we have uh, i know there's more and just i'm not going to be able to you know because it's been so long and you know now when i see them i don't see them as their matrix name and you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, it's like a disconnect. Yeah. So But I mean that happens after 11 years. Yeah, exactly. So those those are the three that come to mind, but I know there's there's more. I mean, you know. But those are the three that come to mind. That immediately come to mind, I should say. So in the emulator, there um the developer is close to breaking breaking through on combat and interlock. Oh, interesting. Yes. So he has Ooh, released one video mm-hmm. um, of entering interlock. So uh, it might be, you know, it might, it might be another year or so. It, it might be more. <laughs> but it's it's on the horizon. So things are happening. It's actually pretty cool. I, I, I am trying to, like, bring back the Matrix Online, like, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I'll do is, like, I really like the Pandora's Box story. So, like, last week... We just a bunch of people jacked into the matrix and I have all of the logs from the missions. So we go Ooh, like nice. from place. Yeah. We go like from place to place and like, we'll go visit the archeologist in downtown and it's like, okay, from here we have to go visit this guy. And then like we all run to them. So it's kind of like, like running that mission or, or that quest. But, and then I just edit it all together. I put it up on YouTube. So it's, uh, it was actually pretty cool to run around with a group of like six or seven people last week and like we're all hyper jumping and like you know teleporting through hard lines it, it was it's as close to playing the game as as possible right now right i'm i'm going to have to download that again i'm gonna, you you you're 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 bringing me back 
dude. You're, you're, you're going to make me download it. And then, you know, my wife will never see me again. If that's where this is headed. Like she already had enough, you know, <laughs> not seeing me back then. Um, yeah, I want to, I'll, I'll do that. I mean, again, again, you said Pandora's box and it's like, holy crap, dude. Like, wow. I haven't thought about that event in a long time. Um, do you remember, you know, so let me ask you this. What is your event or events that you that kind of stick out for you that you remember fondly? Hmm. Well, I would say the fight for the assassin mask. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, Capone held like a tournament and he was like, well, I've had this assassin mask for a couple of years, so it's time to hand it off to somebody else. And he's like, okay, winner take all. And it turns out at the end, he gave the winner the Halloween mask and it was like a big spoof. Oh, <laughs> okay. And he basically just trolled everybody. It was absolutely hilarious, and uh, yeah, it was a good time. I think he, I think he got like a temporary ban from the game. Well, okay. <laughs> um, um, I recently found him on Twitter. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, he used to do these cartoons on on the forums. Uh, do you remember that? Ah, they not... were like Microsoft Paint. <laughs> no, that doesn't doesn't ring a bell. Well, they were a hit. Uh huh. They were hilarious, and they were like you know simple, but the dialogue was just there, and uh, it, it was hilarious. So he wound up sending me another cartoon because I was like, "Hey, do you still have all your cartoons? Like they're not anywhere on the internet that I can find them in their in their um." In in a complete format, anyway, I can find bits and pieces, which I guess okay. is appropriate. So he sent me one more, and I'm kind of biding my time posting it, but uh, I'll probably post it in the next week or so. Oh, nice! Yeah, let me know when you do. I want to take a take a look down, take a look at it, and go down, uh, travel down memory lane. Yeah, it was it was just fun to like have all these personalities, and like everybody's trying to do something to stand out. Where they're like they're coming up with like awesome graphics and comics and cartoons, or if they're on the complete other end of the bell curve, just being like the biggest asshole that they can possibly be. Like it was just all fun. So you say you found him on Twitter, right? And you found mm-hmm. me. Have you been finding a lot of other folks that like used to be you know play the game and like have you reconnected with a lot of people? Uh, a fair amount. Um, fair. We, we recently had T Bone on another podcast. There's actually there's actually another podcast for the Matrix Online. If you can believe that, <laughs> it's by awesome. a fellow named okay. named Deacon Blue, and I believe he was a syntax player. Uh, maybe recursion. I don't know, but but he had T Bone, and T Bone was like the leader of the Furious Angels. And when the assassin released a hit list, it was like Morpheus. Niobe, Ghost, and T-Bone. Yes. I, Furious Angels. I remember that, that. Again, a name I haven't heard in a long, long time. But you said and he, T-Bone, and I remember that. And then Furious Angels, like, wow. I remember that was like the clan back then. And he was in that like beta player magazine. Which I still have two somewhere. <laughs> yep, I got two of them too. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What wait? What was your question? <laughs> oh, uh, have I found me. anyone else? Um, somebody actually, 
about a year ago, somebody actually found me and his name is, um, well, his name was ether and okay. he, he basically created the live events team. Oh, okay. And he has, um, like reams and reams of paper about developing the storyline and the live event team and how they're going to organize it and all the events and the dialogue that, that they had to put out. And then from there, the live event team member could like riff with, with the players, but there was like set dialogue. So I, I did a podcast with him. He actually reached out to me and he's like, Hey, you know, I found your Instagram. He's like, that's pretty cool. You want to do a podcast? So I'm like, yeah, dude, that is awesome. Yeah. It was a fun time. That is a name I remember too. Ether. Is the, um, was he also, so here, here's like a little bit of a throwback. So you remember the matrix revolutions, uh, DVD slash Blu-ray, right? The extra feature. There was one, there was a feature on the matrix online. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, and I can't, I can't remember either. I don't know if he was one of the people talking in that, that spoke on that, um, in that segment. I don't think so. Okay. But I believe it was Toby Regani, and there was like a, a, a shotgun named after na- named after him in the game. Yep. yep. The Regani rifle, mm-hmm. and um, I know the other guy. I got his face right there, but I I can't come up with the name. But uh, Paul Chadwick was on was on that feature as well. Uh, he interacts with you know Matrix people on on Twitter uh, quite frequently. That's interesting. That's interesting that you know that being so long ago and and uh, you know not knowing how much of a you know he's got a a pretty long career in comics and in media and you know it's interesting that he I'm glad that he you know kind of he, he respects that and acknowledges it. Do you know what I mean? Like. He's not doing like, oh, that was back then. That was a little blip in my life. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. There, there's an interview that, that a radio station did with him during like a San Diego Comic-Con that I was able to find online and re-uploaded that and shared it with everybody. Just just a lot of good stuff. A lot of good moments. And he actually talked about like, hey, we should be making a documentary while we make this while we make this game. And it never happened, but... I mean, it's kind of happening now. Yeah, which is fantastic. I mean, I, 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 I think what, what the timing is is would be perfect with the new the new movie coming out. You know, um, I remembered uh, real quick. You had asked me about events and like like a memory that stands out. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, do you remember the uh, piece of blue sky event with the sleepwalkers? Yes, for sure. some reason, that really sticks out to me. Like, I really liked that event. Um, and I have, like, I mean, not specific memories, but I remember, like, playing that and going, man, this is wild. Like, everything, you know. Again, kind of like the apocalyptic scenario at the at the end of the game. It was just sleepwalkers everywhere attacking. And then, you know, always remember the, the, the follow-up mission that had, um, oh, and what's his name? A gnome? No. Yeah, you know, you know, yes, uh, you know, like like that whole story. I just kind of like as a little side story. I thought it was a neat little side story in the game, and I, I just always really liked it. Um, if I remember correctly, you got like a shirt or something out of it too, didn't you? Like there was something to commemorate the event, if I'm not mistaken, in game. Yeah, in the game, you you got a shirt and a hat. 
Yes. And I actually I actually <laughs> recreated the image to to make a shirt out of it. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah. was one event that always stuck out to me. Um, you know, just uh, considering you know this was at a time in the game's life when it was kind of on life support like it was it was long after the live events team had been disbanded and you know it's just like i said rare bit uh, kind of doing it all if i'm if i'm remembering correctly yeah I and think the uh, blue, blue sky was first anniversary yeah it's just you know that 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 event always stuck out to me i always really liked that it, the, that event to me kind of seemed like a hodgepodge like it wasn't quite canon but it also had like these player music videos playing in the park. Yes. And, <laughs> and then there was so, there was so much going on in the parks that when I would enter the parks, I would, I would lag really bad because I, I didn't have a high end computer at the time mm-hmm. or, or internet connection either. So it was, it was difficult for me to play it. So I remember going in and getting killed and saying, I'm just going to go do a mission somewhere. And now I'm like, I'm like kicking myself. I do remember like before all the sleepwalkers attacked, I would just like go and just sit in the grass, uh, um, in like Tabor park or mm-hmm. whatever park it was and just watch music videos and it would just play through the speakers. And I'm like, this is freaking awesome. I'm like th- that a game has player content playing for the players. And I think in that way, that was just one of the ways the game was really, I don't want to say even ahead of its time, but just really tried doing something different, like a different level of engagement with its fans. That I, I mean, I can't think of a game that does that now, like that. I mean, I'm sure somebody else could come on and be like, "Oh yeah, there's this game and that game and like 50 others," and I'm just out of touch, <laughs> you know, because I don't play MMOs as much, you know, much anymore. But I just thought for 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 back in the day, for 2005 ish, that was pretty awesome. Well said. All right. Well, I mean, we've been going for well over an hour. We're an hour and 17 minutes now. Oh, wow. I didn't even really. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Okay. That's pretty, that's pretty wild. I didn't, you know. Tell us again, where can we find you on social media and find your books? So you can find me at J-A-O Writer uh, on Twitter, you know, at J-A-O Writer. And then um, my website is jaowriter.com. And I have links on my site to find my uh, published stories as well as my independent, uh, my indie ebooks, uh, links to my Amazon page, and, uh, and other projects that I've worked on. Anything that we should be looking for in the, in the future? Right now, I am, aside from all the you know, stuff going on right now in the world. Uh, I'm just working on uh, some pitches and some uh, some some original fiction that I'm hoping to submit to uh, some magazines. So nothing really enough that's at a stage that I could say, oh, this and that. But I'm working on it, as we all are, I'm sure. Good to hear. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time, and I really appreciate the archive. It's it's a wonderful collection. Thank you very much for putting that together. You're very welcome. And like I said, it, it means a lot to hear that because, you know, it was kind of done in a vacuum and, and, and hoping, hey, at least maybe one per- one or two people will enjoy this at some point. And to hear that, you know, you, how much you know, enjoyment you've gone out of it and, and others, is, is I, honestly, is, it's humbling and it's mind-blowing. And I'm 
blown away and, and you're very very welcome it was a labor of love for the for this amazing franchise that we all love all right well thank you again and uh we will start following you on all the social medias thank you thank you yeah uh, you have a good one take say uh you take care and stay safe out there yes thank you you too and there you have it folks julio angel ortiz author of the matrix online archive also known as Theory Dust from Syntax. Now, if you're not familiar with the archive, I'm going to have a link to the PDF in the show notes. So you can go on, check that out. I'll also have links to all of my social media. If you've been following me on Instagram, you know that I post daily Matrix content there, as well as a YouTube channel, The Matrix Online Revisited. And they're both at VesuviusMXO. My latest YouTube video is Episode 5, Pandora's Box Arc 3. So that was pretty cool. We got a team together and did a walkthrough of Pandora's Box, retelling that old story. And prior to that, I released my collection, The Animatrix Online, which is a collection of my favorite fan-made Matrix Online videos. I've got them all on a YouTube playlist. And during your downtime, you can just sit back. You can watch the whole collection, just like The Animatrix. I've also got a couple of other videos in the works. I'm going to finish up the Pandora's Box series with Arc 4. If you're not familiar with the Speculation Podcast, Starshore, Lazarus, and I went chapter by chapter and talked about the Matrix Online storyline and all the interpretations, and we were speculating as, as to what might actually carry over into the Matrix 4. And that's a podcast series that you can listen to right wherever you're listening to this episode, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, or the Anchor app. And speaking of the Matrix 4, there is a real-life Matrix 4 premiere party in the works by Lazarus. We're going to be doing it on the East Coast, USA, North Jersey. Whenever that movie releases, we'll be getting together to screen it and celebrate its release. It's called Project Matriculated, and you can find out more information by going to planetreg.com matriculated. I'll have a link for that in the show notes. And that's going to do it for me, Red Pills. For Theory Dust, I am Vesuvius, shutting down. <laughs>